My name is Jonathan Bryant. I am the host of the Edge of the Airy podcast. I have the privilege of serving as the Chief Administrator of Lincoln Charter. The purpose of this podcast is to highlight some of our amazing staff and stakeholders that are with us at Lincoln Charter and to share the college experiences of our guests in the course of our conversation. We all know that college preparation is the goal of Lincoln Charter. It's important to know that I'm a former middle school social studies teacher, so I'm always interested in getting to know others better, sharing compelling stories, learning from the past, and finding out more about the individuals that make Lincoln Charter a great school and an amazing community. So where does Edge of the Airy come from? You likely know that an eagle's nest is an airy, which obviously has significant meaning for our eagle nation. I intend for this podcast to give you a perspective from the Lincoln Charter community. Therefore, each episode will come to you from the edge of the Aerie. As you likely know, Lincoln Charter is one of the oldest and largest public charter schools in North Carolina. We were founded in 1998, and we have a K-12 campus in Lincolnton and in Denver. So... Let's get to today's guest. Today, I'm super excited to be speaking with Miss Erin Hudgens, who is our STEM teacher serving all grades K through eight at the Denver campus, and uh, who I think personally has one of the coolest jobs at Lincoln Charter. And so we're super excited to talk to um, Miss Hudgens today, who's been at Lincoln Charter since 2010. Ms. Hudgens, welcome to Edge of the Area. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Absolutely. All right. So if you can tell us a little bit about yourself, what your background is like, any hobbies or passions or anything that you'd like for our listeners to know. Um, the biggest one for me is I am, I'm a reader, uh, mostly fiction, uh, historical fiction, especially. I'm a gardener. I'm a beekeeper, um, mom, teacher have many different kinds of hats, Mm -hmm. but I am a lifelong learner. So if something suits my fancy, then I jump full in and learn all the things about it and then try to share it with as many people as I can. So it looks like I have lots of different irons in the fire, but they're all to benefit whomever or wherever I can serve best. So that's, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. I like to learn all different kinds of facets and information, but um, I love being outside. Mm-hmm. So if it has anything to do with the natural world, then I'm all in. Um, and I love to take people out there, get them curious about the natural world. Um, my family, we camp and all of the things that go with camping, whether it be four-wheeling or, you know, something like that, then we'll go to lots of different places to camp and, and experience whatever is in that area. Whatever's out there. Whatever's out there. I'm all game. Awesome. Historical fiction. Historical fiction. So any particular time period or just sort of whatever? Civil War era. Okay. I love this. And the Revolutionary War era. Okay. I love those, especially from um, the perspective of someone who was not in the war. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like an outside person looking in and can give you the tips. And I know it's fiction, so there's going to be some things that are stretched just a little bit. But anything that can give you a perspective that you wouldn't read in a typical history book. That gives you a different perspective is always interesting to me. Okay. Your job has 
maybe enabled you to explore some of those different passions and, Absolutely. and whatnot. So tell tell us a little bit about what you do as a STEM teacher to, to help everybody understand yes. sort of how you add to um, the I see my role as someone who can ignite curiosity, but then also encourage problem solving. Mm-hmm. whatever, wherever that may be, whether it be in my classroom with something that I might put in their hands or whether they can carry that into another classroom mm-hmm. so that students begin to understand that, for example, reading is not just about reading. Math is not just about math, that it all kind of flows together. And when you can pick that up and put it all together and make it work, that's where the magic comes in. Um, and then to also spark the curiosity of a classroom is not just four walls. Mm-hmm. Wherever you go, you learn. Whomever you're with, you learn. Whether that be somewhere you've been before or somewhere you've never been before or someone who is older than you that can teach you their ways or someone who's younger than you and can teach you something new. Everything is an opportunity to learn because like I said before, you can always take that situation and turn it around and give that to someone else. And that's what I feel like my role is. I know that beekeeping, for example, is not everybody's cup of tea. A lot of people are fearful. Mm -hmm. Um, But then to be able to say, I understand that you're afraid of getting stung, but then look at this side of it as well. Um, It's not just about the stings. There's so much more that's involved in it. And you don't have to put your hands in the beehive if you don't want to, Mm -hmm. but you can still help. And that can be not just with beekeeping, but gardening, science, reading, math, anything and everything. It kind of just flows and works together. Yeah. Would it be accurate to say you're, you have some of the coolest toys? Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, to me, a cool toy is a milk jug. Mm-hmm. And to look at things from a different viewpoint and perspective and what can I use that for? What can I turn it into? Who might need that in the future that might spark a conversation about what they're doing in a class or what they're teaching um, up into robots? Yeah, we got robots in there, too. And they, to me, in my eyes, robots are as equally as awesome as milk jugs mm-hmm. and glue sticks and <laughs> things like that, because there's always something new that you can try. You just have to be willing mm-hmm. to do it. So, yep. Um, well, I know, I know the hands-on component of what you do is really meaningful to a lot of our students and worksheets are fine. Uh, Worksheets are fine and they have their place. They have their place, but getting your hands dirty, getting getting some dirty dirt under your fingernails in the greenhouse and all that is, uh, is a different kind of Yes, And that I think is what is most rewarding in my opinion is when they come in my classroom, it might look like chaos and it's loud. Um, how, it, we get very I was in loud there yesterday. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit loud. It's it awesome. gets loud. It's awesome though. Um, but most people, when they can apply what they're learning, that's where that's where it just happens, and they get it, and it clicks. And to be able to see firsthand that happening, um, regardless of the age, it can happen in kindergarten, it can happen in third grade, it can happen in eighth grade, mm-hmm. um, where you take what you're learning in math class. And I've asked you to do this gardening project and you have to figure out area, perimeter, whatever, mm-hmm. in order to make sure that you have enough because you want to maximize your space, for example, mm-hmm. and you want to plant as many things as you can in that space. Well, that's where, oh, now I know why I'm learning area because I need to know the square footage of that little plot. And to see it come together and to see that aha moment happen for that child, yep. that to me is worth all the noise. all the trash that you go through, all the mess that you have to clean up. But that's where most students, it clicks. And then I know that they can go take it, use it somewhere else. Yeah, It's awesome to see and witness. 
Well, and that's every yes. subject needs to look different, right? And yes. That's just as part of yes. Art class is going to be way different than oh yes. Math class is going to be way different than social studies, right. but true education is that light bulb moment for me. Yes. And, another, and that's another. where they learn that education is not compartmentalized in real life. Mm -hmm. And, and there's so many things that you use from one side or, or the other that is going to help you. And yes, I know you go to language arts class and I know you go to um, science class and that's all you're talking about in that classroom, but that doesn't mean it's limited to that classroom. Right. And that's what, like you said, that's true education. Yeah. Take that tool and go put it somewhere else. And cause that's where you grow when you learn and where you see where your interests are. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us, tell um, our listeners a little bit about some of your cool toys, the uh, beehives, which mm -hmm. you were really instrumental in getting started here. Mm -hmm. And that's been maybe a year and a half ago or yep. so. It'll um, be two years in March. Okay. Yep. And the greenhouse. I'm going to start with beehives. Okay. Um, so we've, we'll have them two years in March, and we're up to five hives currently. That's awesome. Um, which is great. I am hoping that they make it through the winter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can take just information from the hives. So, if, for example, if I'm working with, let's say, K2 students, mm -hmm. um, this is, for example, this is a honeybee. This is the difference between a honeybee, a wasp, and a hornet. Um, so you're definitely getting that science thread in there. And then we go into the life cycle of the bee. So I've got pictures of the egg, the larva, and then, of course, the adult bee. And then we talk about when the bee emerges. Mm -hmm. This is the role of the worker bee and how it changes over its lifetime. And then we talk about, uh, of course, the queen. They love the queen. And then right. the drones. And then we talk about how their survival is impacted through what we do with our work in the greenhouse. So then if it is, um, it's winter right now, so we're gonna start planning what we're gonna plant for the beds around the campus. So then we're talking about that's the food for the honeybees, which then if we could get that food for the honeybees to be the same thing as food for us, like a cucumber vine, right. then we can benefit straight away from the work that the honeybee has done, while the bee also benefits by taking the pollen back and then creating honey and all that kind of stuff. Well, then we talk about where our food comes from and why that's important to be able to grow your own food. And you can get in the older grades there, you can get into organic practices and why that's important mm -hmm. um, and beneficial. And then um, you can turn that into, well, uh, I have had conversations with the middle school students about the decline of pollinators. Right. And how can we help by not just planting? I mean, planting things are always going to be beneficial. But then what if there comes a time and we live in a world where there are no honeybees, there are no hummingbirds, there are no none of these things, because that's going to take away a third of your food. Right. So then we talk about um, what was really cool was a conversation with the seventh grade class of making robotic honeybees and how that might look. So then we look at the anatomy of the bee. And of course, we didn't get to build anything like that. That would have been awesome. But the thought process That's that cool. got them there, and then that goes straight into the robots that we have in the classroom. The robots that we have currently are geared towards elementary students. But when you give them that type of opportunity, then they take that and, well, this can't be a robotic honeybee, but what can this robot be? Um, so that is where the iPads come in and they conceptualize. Now they are fearful to go to the honeybees, but a robot can go to the honeybees. And mm -hmm. if the robot gets stung, it's not that big of a deal kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, That's a super interesting time. Um, yeah. Robots with. Yeah, and what I cool. love about it is most of the time, it's not me driving the conversation. Yeah. It's me just kind of sitting back and saying, here's the problem. 
And it's a real problem, yep. whether it be honeybees or something else. It's a real problem that we're facing. Maybe it's pollution. Maybe it's, I don't know. There's lots of different things that are currently happening in the natural world. And I always tell the kids, you know, this just happens to be my interest level, the natural world, but it's not the only interest level. So if you're not interested in honeybees, if you're not interested in cucumber, great, wonderful. Wherever mm -hmm. your interest is, there's a problem. Um, how can you figure out how to solve that problem? And then they just go with it. So there's lots of talking, which is great. Sometimes it's hard to manage because opinions come up at the same time and mm -hmm. we have to kind of head that off. But even if we don't get to create whatever it is we thought of, the actual idea of the possibility is amazing. And that's pretty cool. That's great. A lot of learning. A lot. And same for me as well. Yeah. Every day is different. <laughs> every day is a balance and every day is different because what I have planned may or may not go as it's written <laughs> and you just have to be able to roll with the punches and literally fly by the seat of your pants but that to me is what makes it so exciting yeah well and it takes it coming from somebody that used to be in charge of a classroom it takes a special person to be able to turn some of the direction of the class over to the students mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. yeah that's that's not always a comfortable no it's not experience no. but it can to... be very freeing for the kids. Yeah. You mentioned you learn a lot. Yeah. And I know that I learned a lot when I was in the classroom mm -hmm. because you there's that adage about learning more than your kids do as yeah. a teacher and or however that's phrased. And that was completely true in my experience. Yeah, same. You have to be willing to be a kid again and think like they're going to think or view it like they're going to view it. Um, because just because... I learned it this way doesn't mm -hmm. mean mm -hmm. that that's the best way. Right. Um, that's just what I know. Mm -hmm. um, and so together, let's figure out what can we do together and yep. another opportunity we can use it for. Yep. So Awesome. And I, I know everybody will be interested in when Lincoln Charter Honey is coming. I and know. We'll leave that for like <laughs> breaking news following this, uh, following oh, this podcast. So at some point. we are, yes, I am hoping, hoping, hoping to have some before May of this year because, yes, last year I learned that we have an amazing amount of blackberry bushes over yeah. there in that park. And so when those blackberries started blooming last year, the honey yeah. just flowed mm -hmm. in. I should have gathered that honey and see, mm -hmm. that's something else I learned. Mm -hmm. I should have gathered that honey in um, April and because they have what's called the dearth mm -hmm. coming in June, which means there's nothing else available. So they eat what they already have stored. Yep. Well, typically you gather honey the end of June, beginning of July in this area. So that's what I was waiting on because that's what all the books say. And so that's when I was going to wait. Well, when I came back out here end of June, beginning of July, it was gone. They had eaten through all of it. So then we had to wait for the fall flow, which is goldenrod. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, this year's fall flow was not very heavy. So I will be harvesting, hopefully, in April. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, because my kids and I ran, I think it was the Tolly Givens mm -hmm. 5K mm -hmm. that is back in the power lines, like where mm -hmm. you're talking about. And there are so many raspberries back there. I mean, it's like wow. a bananas amount of... Oh, that's bushes fantastic. back there. So that's probably yeah. what they're hitting up. Yep. I would imagine. Yep. This gentleman right over here used to keep these. Right. And mm -hmm. so I know he's planted some things too. So yep. he doesn't have them anymore, but he, he stopped me one day to let me know. And he's like, I'm glad that there are some honeybees taking advantage of what I've planted. Yep. So, yeah. And we've got some pollinator stuff that's, uh, oh, yes. that's going to, yes. which is uh, hopefully keeping them a little, a little happy. The marigolds got them through the fall. Definitely going to see a lot more of those this yep. year. <laughs> 
That's awesome. Uh, so more to come on honey, folks. If you're uh, if you're jonesing for some uh, Lincoln Charter branded honey, um, hopefully it's, it's coming yep. coming uh, coming at some point. The newest toy, your greenhouse. Yes. Tell us a little bit about some of the things that are going on in there. That's that was an exciting addition to the yes. Campus, so super excited. If you ever get to the point where you can't find me, I'm in the greenhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Currently, we have house plants in there because that is the most exciting thing to do in the winter. Um, when you're an outdoor person, you have to have some green in your life somewhere. Mm -hmm. So that's what's in there right now. But when we come to uh, January, February time period, that's when we start thinking about what we're going to plant in the spring. Mm -hmm. And so the students that have me for that particular time period will be thinking about what flowers are the prettiest, what flowers are the most beneficial as far as nectar and pollen, and then what flowers can there be uh, beneficial to many pollinators, mm -hmm. not just honeybees. And so then we'll start those and the grow lights that are in the stem room, which when they get to height, they'll be moved out to the greenhouse. Um, and that's where I'll be able to take students out and talk about potting up if they need more room before they get out into the fields or the beds or whatever. Um, we'll talk about that while we get another round of grows or seedlings started in the grill lights in the stem room. So that will be um, flowers and then maybe even some vegetables and things like that. I know for sure there'll be tomatoes and cucumbers, but it's just like everything else in nature. It's a process yep. and it's a cycle. So we've got all that coming up. And then in the summertime, we'll probably start talking about growing some mums or something like that, since mm -hmm. that's suitable for the fall. Yeah. So it's always one season ahead of wherever you're at. Yeah, from the two people that have been around here for a long time, it's exciting to see some of those hands-on things yeah. that we're, we've been able to add, yeah. which is pretty pretty yeah. awesome. So, and we had a uh, plant sale that was that had some success in um, at homecoming, right. um, and so maybe maybe folks yes. will be looking for that. I'm next looking year. to do another. <laughs> um, those were just house plants. Mm -hmm. Still have quite a few of those left, and I'm going to start some more. And so there might be another house plant sale sometime in the future, but definitely also looking at doing spring seed plants yep. for sale or whatever. Yep. Um, if it's something that parents or families want to take home and put in their beds and it mimics what we're going to put in our beds right. because we have so much space now, yep. that's going to be beneficial. So that hopefully that's two sales that we got coming up. And then all of that goes right back into the gardens and the bees and things like that. Yeah. You know that I can talk about all of that for hours. Um, we've had conversations over the past about what you appreciate about Lincoln Charter. Is there anything yes. that you want to mention regarding that? Yes, absolutely. What I appreciate most, and having been in several different schools, both as a student and as, as a teacher, the family atmosphere that we have at this school is second to none. I love the idea that we're a K-12 campus. So students that I may have had in third grade or fifth grade for example, I am now watching them graduate mm -hmm. and being been able to keep up with them, keep up with their families. That's amazing to me. Being the classroom teacher, those weren't just my kids. They were our kids. And so if I needed something or needed help or guidance, I could. We took care of each other's kids mm -hmm. um, coming down the hallway. I don't just say hello to students that I'm currently serving. I say hello to all the kids, regardless of the age. And, and the same thing goes for the staff members. Like I know that 
my staff members beside me, my coworkers beside me have my back. Mm -hmm. If I need help, they're there. If I need guidance, they're there. For example, uh, the bus drivers even are part of that. They helped me learn how to drive the bus. Mm -hmm. And I knew I am a newly CDL licensed bus driver. Congratulations. And so that, I I mean, of course, I went to the classes, but there's nothing like hands-on training. And to be able to climb in a bus with someone from our school, with our kids, and be able to watch them drive the bus, that was huge. And so just things like that where we take care of each other. And that's not to say that every day is easy. Um, We always have our bumps and our ups and downs. But at the end of the day, we're here for each other. We support each other. Being a person that moved around a lot as a child and not having a place to quote unquote call home Mm -hmm. because of jobs and things like that. No other reason. But just my dad got moved a lot. This is the first place where I've been able to put down roots and call this home. And so that's huge. And then being able to turn around and provide that to my own children and keep them in one place as they've grown. Again, it hasn't always been easy. Mm -hmm. Nothing is. But being able to say, this is where you can come back to and this is where it's safe is huge to me. Yeah, I appreciate that testimony in some ways. And that's, uh, I I know that everybody to a person is happy that you call this home. So you 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 (laughs) helped make this a great place. Tell us about your college experiences, if you don't mind. Nope, not at all. I graduated from UNC Charlotte, just down the road, Mm -hmm. um, with a major in elementary education. However, I did not start with the elementary major. I started with a biology major. So my first three years was in biology. Okay. And I didn't, I got the feeling that I didn't want to limit myself to just that. I needed more because I'm curious. Um, And even if it's not something that correlates with anything else I'm doing in my life, I want to know about it. So the arts really interested me at the time period. And so I changed my major because I felt like I could do more if I had a different major, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Elementary education, you can pick a... Concentration. Yeah, that's the Mm -hmm. word. Um, And so I I graduated with a major in elementary education, but I had concentrations in visual and performing arts as well as social studies. Because to me, that was the whole gamut. So I don't have like an expertise in just one specific area. I have kind of like a wide range look at it. Um, And so that was my college career. Um, As far as like extras beyond and above that, I was a participant in the ballet team and did competition ballet pretty much all my life until I graduated from college and then needed to concentrate on becoming a teacher. So I let that go. Wow. Um, But then, and I'm I'm also too short, so... They're very picky about who they who they choose. Anybody that says that doesn't know what they're talking about. Uh, that's that's crazy. Um, well, you said you're curious. That sometimes can set an individual up for being a quality teacher. Kids, many kids, maybe not all, are naturally curious about right. something. Right. And they want to know more about it. And as humans, that's sort of a wired thing for some of us, Mm -hmm. that curiosity. And so being able to tap into that makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And, And that goes back to that lesson plan. Like you have to be willing as a teacher, you have to be willing to let that plan go in order to allow students to be curious. Mm -hmm. And that's hard sometimes, both because Teachers like to, to have a plan, um, but at the same time, in my opinion, if you're going to keep the child engaged, you have to give them a purpose for learning, and that might be their own curiosity or something that I gave them, but you have to be able to let go of some things as well. I've said to other people, like, you have to clean your room. It's sort of like you have to do the dishes, you have to pay your bills, you have mm-hmm. to you have to receive an education, mm-hmm. like, even though that's receiving an education is really motivating to some people, but when my mom... When I was growing up, said, 
And I said, why do I have to clean my room? And she said, because I told you so. That was not a positively not motivating, really motivating thing. Not because <laughs> no. she was a terrible parent or anything, but just it, that was not a motivator for me to, right. to get me to put a smile on my face right. and to do it. And so sometimes tapping into that natural curiosity is a, can be a great motivator for, for some of our kids. Yeah. So that's great. Well, kudos to you for being a curious person, well-rounded, and also then using all those skills and talents to reach kids. Definitely Um, makes for fun days. (laughs) Adventure, adventurous Adventurous days. days. For sure. For sure. Part of this podcast is trying to give our parents, our students, anybody that is uh, interested in the college prep aspect of Lincoln Charter advice or insight into college. Is there anything that you, from your college experience, you would like to share that might be helpful for anybody that is, is sort of in that planning process? Yes. Um, just because you're going through college with that specific major doesn't mean that you're concreted into that for the rest of your life. That's just where you're at currently. Enjoy that, but mm-hmm. also know that there will always, regardless of what field you're in or what job you're in, there will always be an opportunity to grow, learn, change, Mm -hmm. and and your interests can change, definitely. And so I did not realize that when I was in college, and that's why I struggled so with the biology major, because I thought that was where I was going to be planted for the rest of my life. I would have enjoyed it, but then I had the opinion that I couldn't go do other things that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. If they, you know, sparked my interest. So if I had, and I have told students before, just because you're going to be in finance doesn't mean you're going to be in finance for the rest of your life. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. Um, if you decide that you want to change routes, go for it, do it. And it doesn't matter how old you are. The older you get, the more experience you, the more experience you have, the more you get to share with others. Um, and to me, that's huge because that's what my purpose is, is how can I help the person behind me or next to me because we're in this together. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and do what you have right now on your plate and enjoy it while it's there, but know that that's not always going to be there. Was there a, in your education journey, was there a moment or a situation where you, that, that sort of led you to say, I need to change my major from bio? Was there a class or an um, interaction or It something? was an interaction with a young lady. She was only taking the biology class because she needed another credit for her elementary major. Okay. And she did not want to take a visual art class. She didn't want to take, she had already taken the science classes for her major and needed something above and beyond that. And she didn't want it to be a wasted mm-hmm. class, so to speak. Sure. And so she told me about the classes that she had already taken, many of which were visual and performing arts mm-hmm. and having the dance background that I had. Um, I didn't want to close that door. Yep. Um, and so then looking at the opportunity of visual and performing arts also being art, I could do that as well. So that was the conversation that led me to that. So essentially it was a conversation with a colleague or a, or a fellow student mm-hmm. that sort of expanded your understanding of what the yes. possibilities were. Yes. And um, my husband now, who I was currently dating at the time, was an engineer major. Mm-hmm. And for some weird reason, I loved his chemistry class. So he would come home with the notes, with the book, with stuff, information from the labs that he was taking mm-hmm. and being the science person, even though it was biology, looking at that chemistry and looking at that high level engineering chemistry just fascinated me. So that's when I took a moment between those two interactions, took a moment, stepped back and said, Hey, there has to be something 
where I can get, I, I can have a job where I can get my hands into everything that I want to get my hands in. Mm-hmm. And it led to, since I'd had that conversation with that young lady, it led to education. Positively impacted by a boy. <laughs> a good boy. A yeah. good boy. Absolutely. There are some of those out there. There are some. Um, that's, that's great. That's an interesting story. Yeah. It doesn't say much for my dating life if I was <laughs> if I was studying a chemistry book. You uh, you knew what you wanted and you went. That's right. That's, that's right. No one should uh, should uh, be grumpy at you for that. So that's great. And and I think that for me that's a lesson in just talk to people and learn yeah. from their experiences. Yeah. And also be open to different possibilities. Yeah. If, um, there are some people that are born and they know they want to be a dentist, like exactly from the crib. And I think that's fabulous. It's, it's amazing. amazing. That was never me. That was not me. Yeah. That was not me. Yeah. Yeah, Which is, is great. That is, um, I'm a, I'm a pretty big proponent of liberal arts education. And I know that that gets, you know, there's, that doesn't work for everybody for sure, but that exposure to a lot of different experiences and facets of academia and different like just different ways of thinking about the world is yeah. really is really interesting for my brain. It's what worked for my brain mm-hmm. in my undergrad, and mm-hmm. and I think it does work for some other people too. Um, but we do need dentists and we do welders and all the different professions that some people they are born and they know that they want to yeah. do it and they just go after that and that's great too. In reflecting back on your college experience, is there anything you do differently? Oh yes, don't put so much pressure on myself. Okay, I don't have to get that A. Mm-hmm. It's great if you do, mm-hmm. but it's not going to, I, it's no different than the B and it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. It'll be okay. And it all turns out to be what it needs to be in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I missed out on a lot because I put so much pressure on being, I don't know if perfect is the right word because that's definitely not where my frame of mind was, but um, just pressure in general. You don't have to put so much pressure on yourself. Relax a little bit. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the ride. Because it's not going to come around again. And um, if you don't enjoy it while you're there, then go figure out why and change. Because that that era of life should be full of joy, in my opinion. Because that's when you're really starting to get your feet underneath you and understand who you are. Not who you were with mom and dad or who you were at you know, high school. But you're beginning to learn who you are. Um, so give yourself some grace. Be flexible. And just roll with the punches because they're going to come and then you can either let them beat you up or push you forward. Sage advice from one of Lincoln Charter's <laughs> uh, favorite people. That's that's great. My dad would good. always tell me, don't look down because you're not going there. Keep your head up and keep walking. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned being a lifelong learner after UNCC. Are there any other education experiences that you have had? Um, professional development type things or, mm-hmm. or any you know, other classes or anything that you'd like to mention? When I first got out, I taught first, when I first got out of college, I taught first grade and realized that the way I was taught how to read and spell was hard. Mm-hmm. It's the whole language, memorize it, put it on a spelling test and move on kind of situation. Yep. And so I went back and took a couple of courses on just how to teach reading Mm -hmm. Um, and then being a Southerner at that, my dialect is very thick. Um, my twang is definitely there. And so having to call out words to students, first grade babies, and they could not understand what I was saying because of my, my twang made me realize that I needed to take, take a step back 
figure out where my holes are and learn phonetics, which I was never taught as a child. Um, interesting fact, I was never taught how to multiply as a child either. I was like, just memorize it and go with it. And so taking a step back to realize where those holes were, that's where I started, which then when I got to third grade and had the opportunity to teach more in-depth science, that was when I pulled back my biology information and then took a couple of professional development classes that were at that time, they didn't call it STEM, but that's where it was going. We mm -hmm. just weren't aware of it. Right. And it was basically just hands-on science experiments is what it was called. Yeah. And then that developed when I got to fifth grade to full-on STEM. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, don't give them the answer. Give them the problem. Right. And let them figure it out. Yeah. And so a lot of, from that time forward, a lot of it was science slash STEM professional development. Because it is intimidating to give um, students a popsicle stick, a rubber band, and a spoon and say, here, make me a catapult. And you have no idea how to make the catapult yourself. So it's intimidating, but it's amazing how quickly they figure it out. And so those kinds of things were what my professional development was geared towards at that time. Mm -hmm. And still now it's science related in that it's the gardening, beehive, natural world, curiosity kind of things. That's where I'm at now. Because awesome. I've never had a greenhouse before. I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know all the ins and outs. Yeah. So. It's, it's really interesting in the course of recording these interviews, it's interesting to hear the past experiences of the folks that I've talked to. And Miss Amos, I did not know before I talked to her on that episode that she was a struggling reader. Hmm. And Interesting. She, talk, she talks a lot about how that was formative for her as a teacher. Yes. And just like you, as an open-minded person and as somebody who's trying to tap into that natural curiosity, there's no way that that doesn't make you a better teacher and just able to empathize more with students and what they're going yeah. through and push you to think about the world in a different way and not just the way that you've been taught. Yeah. And that is, that's just super helpful for for you, but by osmosis, everybody else that you're, <laughs> that you're uh, interacting with, yeah. it, not osmosis, but intentionality too. Right. right so right. Um, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. And it, it just boils down to, we're all human. We mm -hmm. all have faults. We all have difficulties. I can either be the block that helps you stand up taller, or I could be your stumbling block, one mm -hmm. or the other. We're not going to get anywhere as a family, as a school, as an individual, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get anywhere if I become your stumbling block. Um, and so to be able to take a step back and think, how can I best help in any given situation, re regardless of what I can or cannot do, but then being able to admit, yeah, I have difficulties too. I have holes, I have challenges. And I think that's huge when you sit with the student, for example, teaching third grade, when I'm teaching, supposed to be teaching multiplication to be able to tell the students, look. Nobody taught me how to multiply. Mm -hmm. I don't even know. I didn't even know what it meant yep. until I went to college. And of course the eyes get as big as quarters. What are you talking <laughs> about? You're teaching us now. And that's very intimidating. Yeah. But to be able to admit to another person, I don't know how to do that. It's very humbling. But then at the same time, it puts us on the same playing field, regardless of experience, background, age, anything. It puts us on the same playing field where we can help each other. Well, and if our kids have the impression that the adults know everything, then they're going to be disappointed at some point. Sadly in, disappointed. In, in my, <laughs> at least in my experience. And so just being honest yep. is a, is a huge way to develop that relationship. Yep. And yep. so that's great. Is there, is there somebody that you'd like to give a shout out to who might be a hero mentor somebody that you look up to? It would definitely be my parents. I did not grow up having that one teacher that mm -hmm. everybody says is the amazing, fantastic, awesome person that 
made a stand in their life or changed in their life. I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. um, I do not come from a family of teachers. And so being, I mentioned before that I moved around a lot as a child. Mm -hmm. The only thing I had was my family. Mm -hmm. And so my mom and dad coming from a very different yeah. background where they did not have the same opportunities that I had. But they encouraged me and said, it's going to be okay. Keep your head up, for mm -hmm. example. Keep moving um, and learn from it and keep going. And so my parents would always encourage me. Yeah, you had a bad day. Don't wallow there forever. Get up and move on. That is a tool that I think everybody needs. You're going to have bad days, but it's going to be okay. You're going to continue to learn. You're going to continue to grow. Or you can be stagnant. Those are the choices. My parents also encouraged me when I decided to change my major in college. It shocked them. Mm -hmm. But then once, like, like I told you, once I explained everything to them, of course, go for it. Why not? And if I had not had that, then I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't have the background of the, the school family or, uh, and we moved away from my, you know, extended family members. So I, I didn't grow up with grandparents and cousins and things like that. So my family and my mom and dad and my sister, that's, that was us. Mm -hmm. um, and so it would be definitely my heroes or my parents and still are. That's great. Yeah. Shout, shout out to them. <laughs> I think many parents definitely, I would include myself in this category, are we're trying to instill values and insight and knowledge in our kids. And you're yeah. trying to plant those seeds and put those little nuggets in. And yeah. I have no clue what's sticking mm -mm. Uh, from day to day. <laughs> no. Uh, but it's obvious that your parents, some of those nuggets stuck with you. So yeah. That's great. Yeah. So thankful for them. Is there anything that you're reading or have read recently that you would recommend to our listeners? I, I'm kind of like working on this giant list of books that are recommended. Um, oh, so you might be maybe contributing to that. It would all be fictional. I, I can't recommend like one specific book. Mm -hmm. I would recommend any historical fiction. Mm -hmm. um, because like I said before, it, I love history anyway. You stick me in a social studies history class, I'm game. Um, but I know that not everybody enjoys history, so it will open your eyes, even though, again, it is fictional. And so you do have to be careful about what's made up and what's real and this, that, and the other, um, specifically like revolutionary era. Mm -hmm. If you read a historical fiction book that's set, the time setting is in the revolutionary era. You learn so much about, um, not just about the war specifically, but you learn uh, so much about the culture at mm -hmm. the time period. Right. Um, you learn uh, how they raised their children during the time period, what was appropriate for school, what was appropriate for women versus men, um, slave versus free. Mm -hmm. um, and it gives you a broader perspective of that time period than what's in the book. So then once you read any historical fiction book and then go back to your um, your class book or notes or whatever, and then read that time period again, it all begins to make more sense mm -hmm. and why they did things this way versus that way, because that was their culture at the time, or that's the way they raised their children at the time. In a phase in my life, I was, I read a lot of historical fiction and I, <laughs> and I can't, I, for the life of me, I can't remember an author off the top of my head right now, but I always found that there was a lot of value in that. And, mm -hmm. and really history coming from to social studies people to some extent um, is just about stories. And yeah, it's just about- that's it. I had um, a, a class in college where she would walk in, the, the instructor would walk in in costume mm -hmm. and would tell would tell the class, whatever the lesson was for the day, she would, she would present the whole lesson in her costume. So it really gave you that idea of story. Mm -hmm. It's nothing but a story. 
and it's somebody's story. It's nothing but a story. Yeah. And that's really what human life is, is about is just the, the collection of stories yeah. in, in a lot of ways. So. Yeah. Is there any music that you are listening to, jamming out to, a song you can't get out of your head? 80s, okay. 80s, all the way. Every day, all the way. My kids know 80s music, mm -hmm. and I'm very proud of that. Okay. <laughs> but right. I am an 80s baby. Okay. And that's where I can sing and belt it out as loud and as proud as I can because I know all the words. I don't have to figure them out. Are you trying to rub that in because I'm like a 70s baby? I did. No, 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 no. What's, um, so any particular band or? Uh, no, no, no particular just, band. Just Cindy Lauper was my hero when I was a girl, when I was a kid. No I kidding. loved her. I have huge hair. So I would make it as big as possible. Big old bow in there. And yeah. I wish that this was a uh, a video podcast where we could like <laughs> pipe in some of those old pictures, those old yearbook pictures. Oh no, you don't need to see that. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's good. Eighties had some some great music and yeah. some great culture. I like the seventies so too. You were yeah. Like that's, you're, that's you're just saying that. Um, <laughs> the uh, no, you were so you were the trendsetter for why my kids wear two different socks now. Sure, so, I'll take that. Okay. I'll take that. Love it. Where's what's your favorite place to eat in this uh, in the Charlotte area, Denver, Lincoln County area? Um, I will drop everything to go to Olive Garden. Okay. Olive Garden, if we're going like out, mm -hmm. I love sauceritas. But I I would say home cooking. I'm a I don't know. I'm a home body mm -hmm. at heart. And if you tell me that you've got a chicken casserole with cornbread waiting on me at home, I'll see you in five minutes. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know it's, we're recording this in the morning, but there's a lot of food flying around the hallways right now yeah. and, uh, makes me a little bit hungry. So. It does. It does. I'm sure we can find a donut somewhere. I'm I, <laughs> no problem with that. Is, uh, is there anything else you would like to share? No, I think just going back to what I said before, just realize that you're not alone, that there are other people around you either to help you or for you to help be aware of other people and how what you do, what you say, how you act influences others, mm -hmm. both for good and bad. Um, be aware of that. Be willing to say, I'm sorry. Be willing to say that I made a mistake, but then be willing to change it and make it better. Mm -hmm. And don't, don't complain about it if you're not going to get your hands in there and get messy and help make it better. Be part of the solution. Yeah. Well, um, to quote your dad, don't look down. You're not, that's not where that's you're going. That's not where you're going. Um, I think that's a good thing for us all to remember. And I, really appreciate your as i so as i talk to and as i see quality educators one of the commonalities that i see is joy and mm. just like just having a smile on your face making sure that your students and your colleagues know that you are appreciative of them and yeah. their who they are yeah. and that you love what you're doing and just just being a joyful presence and you really do that so oh, i appreciate you. I appreciate you and how you uh, positively impact us every day that you're here. So. My pleasure. Absolutely. I want to thank all of our listeners and subscribers for taking the time to listen to the edge of the airy. Like everything at Lincoln Charter, it takes a great team to make this podcast happen. The edge of the airy is produced by Jonathan Bryant and Taylor Helms. And Ms. Helms is also our senior editor. Graphics and artwork are by Melissa Lasarski, and our music is brought to you by Next Mike, who you may also know as Michael Paulino Albin. 
Our team uses the free Anchor app to create each episode, which is found at anchor.fm. You can listen to this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Stitcher. Feel free to rate or review the podcast. It may help others to discover this content. This is Jonathan Bryant signing off until next time.